Welcome, welcome. Uh, friends, a lot of familiar faces here this morning. Uh, if you're here for the first time, we want you to know we are a simple people uh, centered on Jesus. Uh, we believe that, that community centered on Jesus has huge potential for the greater community, for, for our city, uh, for the people around us, for friends and family. We believe that Jesus uh, has transformational opportunity um, uh, and, and blessing for us and for this community. So I uh, want to thank you for joining us this morning. Um, uh, we are excited about summer, the activity coming up. We're giving um, our branches a little bit of a break and a, and a rest. We'll do some refocusing and relaunching in the fall. Excited for that. Uh, over the course of the summer, we're excited for um, some increased just churchwide activity. Um, we'll, we'll have barbecues and pool parties, and uh, we'll be serving at Second Harvest and helping build homes uh, uh, with Habitat for Humanity. We'll, we'll be doing a number of things over the course of the summer. And one of the reasons for the increased activity is just a realization that, that um, Many of us have summer plans. We'll be traveling. We'll be here some and not at other times. I want you to know when you're, when you're around, when you're available, join us, worship with us. Uh, when you're on vacation uh, and, or have other things going on, don't you feel guilty? You do your family stuff and, and you find blessing, make memories as a family together. Uh, we love that. But we're excited for, for the summer and the things we have coming up here in, in this season. This morning we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 14, and we've been studying through the Gospel of Luke um, and, uh, and exploring who is this man Jesus and what does it mean to follow him. Jesus has radical teachings. Uh, Jesus healed people. Um, uh, Jesus was uh, opposed by many of the religious leaders of the day. It's a fascinating story as we look at the life of this man, Jesus, who lived a couple thousand years ago. And we're in Luke chapter 14 today, and the story that we'll be reading today is quite cultural in nature. Um, it's going to be about a banquet. And, and the precursor to the story that we'll be in was a story of Jesus sitting down at this banquet. And in the first century, a banquet was a big event. A, uh, a high person in uh, Jewish culture, um, a wealthy person, a landowner, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious and governmental rulers of the day, they would host banquets. And if you got invited to a banquet, man, was that an invitation right? So Jesus sits down at this banquet and he, he had watched how the uh, people that thought a lot of themselves sat at the high end of the table because, because there were places of honor in, in, their, in their culture and, and at their tables and there was the lower places, right? And so you would walk into a room at a banquet and you would have to pick where you, you sat. There might be some seats at the top reserved by the host of the banquet, but you would pick where you would sit. And there was a little bit of a gamble involved in this process because if I sat too high at the table and someone more important, a friend of the host, came in, well, then I could be kicked out of my seat and end up down at the bottom of the table. So there was this interesting cultural jockeying for position at the tables, the places of honor. And Jesus had walked, watched how the, the attendees of this banquet had come in and seated themselves and, uh, and, and, and Jesus uh, was a little bit offended by the importance they place on their place of honor at a table. And so, so Jesus is going to engage their culture and, and some of their beliefs uh, with the teaching and tell a parable this morning. But you know what? I'm intrigued uh, by speaking of cultural in the first century, how culturally today we have quite a different set of standards than there. Um, our events and our gatherings take place quite differently. Um, and in fact, culturally, uh, there's, uh, there's been a distinct change 
in the way a lot of this works. I saw a, a guy, I think his name's Sebastian or something, um, a comedian who, who had a, 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 one of his performances was on uh, the doorbell. And he said, he said, man, 30 years ago when your doorbell rang, like the whole family rushes to the door, right? And you're not worried about who's there. You don't look who's there. You swing that door open and you are excited because your friends have come to see you. Right? That's that culturally, and, and people would just stop in. They'd just come and, and visit, right? And, uh, and, and mom would have a cake prepared just for visitors, right? And you'd invite them in, and they'd stay for hours. That was the, the way it worked. But today, I'm fascinated by how, how countercultural that would be today. You don't just drop into someone's home. You don't just show up at someone's place, right? He, t- he talks about, man, the doorbell rings in our house and everyone scatters. I mean, people are army crawling along the floor and jumping in closets, right? Some, some person that didn't know the doorbell had rang come walking into the living room and, and the whole family's in a panic now because they saw movement in the house, right? We're going to have to open our door because they saw that we're here, right? Culturally, we don't, we don't just drop in. So in the first century, in the first century, they had a very different set of standards. Um, They would invite people to these banquets. The honored people would come and they would attend these. Let's look in Luke chapter 14 as we begin. Luke 14 and we're in verse 15. When one of uh, those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Okay, so, so remember, Jesus has just talked to them about the way they position themselves at their table. He said, be careful uh, thinking too much of yourself because someone else will come into this, uh, this gathering and you'll be bumped to the very bottom of the table and then you'll be humiliated, right? And so someone, in response to Jesus' assessment of their placing priorities, uh, one, one of the men at the table says, blessed is a man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if this man said this... Uh, um, uh, in, in agreement or in support of Jesus or sarcastically. It's very possible that it's one of the religious leaders who Jesus, uh, who, who is always trying to chap, trap Jesus in his words, um, who's saying, oh, wouldn't it be great to eat at your table where there's no seats of honor, right? Or maybe he's honestly saying, wouldn't it be good to eat in the kingdom of God? At any rate, a man acknowledges, a, a, man, a man presents this idea, blessed is the man who, who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So Jesus replied to the man with a parable, a story with a, with a meaning behind it for, for the first century audience, and, and we'll explore for us today. A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike begin to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go to see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, in the first century, this would have been unheard of, absolutely ridiculous, that, that when invited to a prestigious event, that people would make excuses. Jesus identifies that, that they don't have any real other needs. They knew when the banquet was going to be. These aren't emergency things, but instead planned things that they had done, purchases they had made. And, and so to the, to the first century hearers of this parable, they're saying, who would try to get out of a banquet? 
right? Who, who would try to not go to it? Who would make excuses to not attend a banquet? But Jesus has a profound truth in this parable. You see, he's telling a story of God, a story about God who has invited a people to a great banquet, a good God and a good host who invited a nation called Israel to be his partners in his world and global mission. He had invited Israel to partner with him to play a a prestigious role within his kingdom, and he had invited them to be his partners in accomplishing his will. He had had promised to Abram, uh, the the father of the Israelite nation, he had said, I'll bless you, that you can be a blessing to all nations. So often Israel forgot their role to be blessed, that they could be a blessing in the world. So, so Jesus is telling a parable directly about the Israelite people and the Pharisees that are criticizing him and, and it, contradicting him. He tells this parable of God who, who has thrown a great banquet. And at the time uh, of the banquet, he sends his servant. Jesus speaks of himself there. Uh, so, so at first here, we're reading this in first century culture. What is Jesus trying to say to these people? Um, and, uh, and, and he speaks of the servant himself who has come to invite people. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is, in simple terms, the place where God is reigning, the place where God rules. And that has a earthly dimension and it has a heavenly dimension. It has a present context and it has a future context. The kingdom of God is where God rules. And in Jesus, Jesus' message time and time again as he sends out his followers on, on onto the mission field, going ahead to the cities, he says, announce that the kingdom of God has come near. The time has finally come, right? And in Jesus, he is ushering in the kingdom of God, a rule on this earth in which God reigns. And so, um, so Jesus speaks of himself, the servant who has come to say, the banquet is ready. The kingdom is here, okay? And, uh, and people start making excuses. He speaks of the Pharisees and the Sadducees who, who, are, who have totally abandoned God, who have um, spit upon uh, figuratively, the good invitation that God has given them in, in partnership. And, uh, and he speaks of their excuses that they've made. You know, it's interesting. Um, Jesus' priority on this banquet, as we think of it in, in terms of, of what he was trying to tell his audience here. Um, notice he lists extremely important things. Their excuses have to do with having bought a field. Right? So major lifetime purchases, like the purchase of a lifetime, the field that will be passed on to my family and generations beyond. He, he says, but, but the kingdom, the banquet, is more important even than those major lifetime purchases, right? The homes that we live in and the cars that we drive. He says, no, the kingdom is bigger even than those major things in life. And, and he says, and, and your work, sure, you bought oxen and you want to try them out and get them out in your field. But he says, no, the kingdom is more important. Man, that's an excuse if, if that's what you're using to abandon uh, God's invitation, right? And, and, and he says, uh, well, I just got married, and that's a big one. You, you hate to criticize that, right? That's a pretty good excuse. And yet Jesus says, yet even in this, the kingdom comes first, right? The, the banquet is even a priority over the sanctity of those kinds of relationships. And so the parable continues in verse 21. 
Servant came back and he reported to his master, having gone out and, and said, this is again speaking of Jesus talking to the Israelite people, the kingdom has come, the time is now, but they've rejected him, right? They are in the process of rejecting him. And so the servant in, in the parable comes back to, and he reports to his master what had happened, the excuses that he'd heard. Then the owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room at this banquet. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country, the lanes, and to make, and, and um, I'm sorry, and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you that not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So Jesus in his first century, in this first century context, speaks of this servant coming back and saying to his master, um, uh, they, they had excuses, they won't come. And so God, he, uh, the, the owner, the, the, um, the host of the banquet, he says, I want you to go out and I want you to invite the poor people and the crippled and the blind and the lame. No wonder that Jesus, while he was on earth, time and time again in the Gospel of Luke, we read of him engaging, marginalized, hurting, broken people, the people on the outskirts of society, because Jesus makes clear in this parable, he's telling them, uh, Israel has so often rejected me. Um, my, my mission and my task is to the poor and the hurting, not the prestigious, not those that live out of their sense of pride and entitlement, but to the poor and to the hurting. So, so the, the, the owner... Um, the host of the banquet says, go and invite the poor, crippled, and lame. And, and, and it's done. They're invited. But the master says, no, this is a great banquet, and this is a big banquet hall. Go and invite even the ends of the earth. It's figurative language here as he speaks about the lanes in the country, um, uh, uh, the roads far out, outside of Israel. He says, go and invite them all. Right? And so this is Jesus ushering the, the idea that this is not an exclusive relationship between God and Israel, but this is an invitation to all of the world. You and I, of course, are the product of that, as now thousands of years later we have been invited to the table of God, that we've been invited uh, to this great feast into the kingdom of God. So um, the invitation has been extended. Now I want to I want to shift our focus as we as we talk about application and this was a challenging passage for me this week. In the first century context it made a lot of sense. I mean it's a harsh teaching. He is calling out these Pharisees saying you rejected God and you will not taste the banquet right? He, he, it's a harsh teaching, and, and, and he's speaking to them about their, about their rejection, about their people. He's saying that the lowest will be, the, the last will be the first, right? These poor people that, that um, were outside, the people from far away, they will be accepted, and, and you won't. But as I consider it in our context, um, as I consider what Jesus' teaching has for us today, this is a bit of a challenging one. I'd present this, though, that, um, that we could identify ourselves in three main places in the story. As followers of Jesus and as a church, uh, we would often identify ourselves as a servant, the one going out and inviting people to know God, right? We would identify ourselves as those on mission. Now, of course, in, in the context of the parable, as Jesus told it, Jesus was that servant, right? He was the one coming to usher that in. But, but like any prophecy and like any parable, there was a modern day application and there continues to be a relevant application later. And so I would say that it's, it's appropriate for us to say 
we have been invited to be those agents of, of God, inviting people to come to know a good God who, who hosts a good banquet, who has invited us into a kingdom in which we will find acceptance and love. Right, so so we can we can read into this story ourselves in that place that it is our mission as a church. It's it's not by accident that that we focus on on serving our community. Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus taught it. We want to serve. We want to be those agents as as Jesus was. Um, and yet, that's not the only place I think we could identify ourselves, and maybe not even the most important place that we would identify ourselves in this story. You see. Um, after the rejection of God's invitation by the religious leaders and by Israel, uh, uh, the, the master says, well, then go and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And I want to challenge us this morning to put ourselves in those shoes, to rather than consider ourselves like the Pharisees were doing in the banquet, the people of prestige, right, the primary invitees, to realize that well, maybe in, in some respect, I'm that poor and broken person. Rather than me being the savior of the people around me by the good deeds that I do, I'm going to challenge us this morning to put ourselves in the shoes of those that needed and continue to need saving ourselves. Thank God for what he's done for us, that you and I have been invited to this banquet. We have been invited into the kingdom of God and into relationship with God. This morning, Chris led a song called Son of David. I didn't know that song before uh, a few months ago as we launched a church and Chris uh, began leading for us. And I'll tell you, um, I wept every time we sang that song for a long time. Um, in that song, it speaks of a man who's blind who's sitting at the gate of a city or, or of the, the pool there in the town. And a king, Jesus, has come to this town. But he's blind. And so he can't follow. And he can't reach out. He can't approach Jesus to receive the healing that he so desperately wants. And he says, so all I can do is just stand and call out his name. Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and I think the reason I wept in, is so often as we sang that song is that as I put myself in the place of that man, I, I was just as blind at one point. The world looked so enticing, right? All the fun and hurtful things that friends were doing looked like so much fun. I was just as blind as this man. And there came a day in my brokenness and my weakness that I, that I cried out to God, saying, have mercy on me, right? I, I can't do this for myself. I, I can't save myself. The things I've been doing have become incredibly destructive. And so standing at that gate, all I had left was to cry out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and that's probably a lot of our stories. There came a day in our life where we realized, I just need Jesus. He may have felt really far off. Some of us may not have, have yet come to that point. But one day when we realize Jesus has come near, the kingdom has come near. And an invitation has been extended. When we realize that, that he can heal my blindness, that he can heal my sorrow, that he is good and loving and wants to bind up my wounds. He wants to invite me into a life of deeper purpose and meaning. He, he's inviting even 
me. You see, as we identify ourselves in this story as um, the, the blind and the weak and the poor, I think it puts us in a beautiful position and posture to, um, to know a good and loving master. There's, there's nothing harder um, than, than uh, to live out of our own entitlement, self-worth, and pride, and then to try to really acknowledge and love a good and high God, right? It's, it's from these humble places that, that often um, that, that God shines the most beautifully. It's in our brokenness that God's work can be seen most beautifully. So I want to invite us today, because many of us, life is going well. We feel really blessed, and, and that's really good. That's a time to give thanks to God. And yet many of us, over the course of the previous week or the week to come, we've experienced a lot of hurt. We've experienced a lot of fear. We've experienced a lot of self-doubt. And, and I, I want to consider this morning that those are okay things to bring to God. In fact, the good God that loves us and has invited us, those are the things he wants us to bring to him, that he can be the source of our healing, that he can be the source of our strength. It says in this story um, uh, that there were people, though, that made excuses um, as to why they wouldn't accept God's invitation. I think this is a third way that we could kind of identify ourselves in the story. Um, it's no doubt that many of our friends um, who, who are not followers of Jesus, there's a lot of excuses out there as, as to why I wouldn't follow Jesus. Um, uh, th- they'll tell us Christians are hypocrites, and I don't want any part of it. I get that. There's a valid point right there, isn't it? Um, but it, it's an excuse, right? And, and it's one that people use to say, I don't want it. Some have been hurt by the church, right? They've been hurt by Christian people or, or the church, and, and they've walked away because of it. Um, uh, some people are content in life. Don't, don't sense a need for something more. There's lots of reasons we would not accept an invitation from God. There's lots of reasons people don't accept those invitations I think we could, I think it's even safe to say that some have never heard clearly articulated the invitation. It's wild to think that in Western society that there are people that have never been told, I want you to know God loves you. You know, uh, that, that there are people marginalized in our community that, that no Christian person, of which there's thousands and thousands of us in the Tri-Cities, has ever said, hey, I'd pick you up if you want to come to church with me this week. Like, there's people that haven't heard that invitation yet in their lives. You know, but even we as Christians, I think, sometimes have excuses as to why we don't really fully accept God's invitation. I think the primary one in my life, and maybe for a lot of us, is just busyness. Life gets so hectic that the last thing on our mind is, um, is, is God and his kingdom participating in that and being near to him. I mean, how often uh, do I reflect on a day or a week in which I, I just have to say, God, I am sorry that I prioritized so many other things and didn't even spend a few moments with you in prayer, right? Uh, we have been invited to a good banquet. God is good and God is loving. As Jesus told this parable in the first century, he spoke of those that had excuses and and said, God, I just don't want anything to do with it. Sometimes that's us. But we're here this morning. We're we're here to receive, right? We're here on some level to accept. Um, There are those that are participating in God's mission, and and we get to participate in, in inviting people, the hurting, the broken, the marginalized, saying, come, 
Know that God is good and loving, and you will be elevated at this banquet, not put down like the banquet that Jesus was sitting in in the context of this story. God will elevate you. God will lift you up, and you will be honored in this place. And then there's, of course, the times that we feel blind and weak and broken and know that we can come to God, that we can call out to him and find his grace. This morning, I want us to know this. God is good. His invitation is good. And we have been invited. Let's pray over that. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for this time we have together and an opportunity, Father, uh, just to look at your word. And Father, as we read a story that had um, such specific context and meaning in the first century, I thank you, Father, um, that, that I, that we can see ourselves in it e- even today. I pray, Father, that you will um, help us to, uh, um, to know your goodness, your love, and invitation in times of weakness and in times of hurt. Father, I pray that you will use us, that we not be those that um, reject your invitation, but instead, Father, that you will use us uh, to be those who invite others to know your goodness and to know your love, the ways that you have transformed our lives. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you for the hope found in him. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, friends, I want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, remind you, we have our schools out barbecue. Uh, we did change the location since we didn't have access to a boat. We switched it to the splash pad. It's going to be hot, so we want water. So we're going to be over at the Badger Mountain Park, uh, Community Park, and the splash pad there uh, this Saturday. I hope you'll join us. Um, lots of other activities. Come and check it out online. Uh, be in contact. We're excited for the summer. God bless you. Have a great week. <laughs>